You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So Pentecost Sunday, this is, uh, man, uh, uh, most of you know, I think, that I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia, and I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and so I love Pentecost Sunday. Even though, as a child, we didn't celebrate Pentecost Sunday, I guess we thought every Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> but uh, in case you don't know, Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday, and it's a Jewish holiday that marks the 50th day after Passover. So Pentecost actually just means 50 so this past, last summer, I had my Pentecostal birthday. <laughs> I turned 50. Uh, oh, well, you guys pray for me. Um, but yeah, so that, that day, something happened. And so what happened that day, according to uh, Luke in Acts chapter 2, is that, as, as um, Caleb just read to us, the Spirit was poured out on this people, group of people that had been following Jesus and were now filled with the Spirit of Christ who would then be sent out into all the world. There was one particular um, characteristic of these people, and it was an amazing characteristic, and that is they experienced a level of unity that is rarely experienced. Like, people came together from different places. Uh, Different genders came together, and different um, expressions came together. Different cultures came together. And it created, in a way, a new group, not, um, not drawn along the normal lines of demarcation that would separate folks from one another. And it was really remarkable. Now, in the 20th century, there was uh, a movement, I would say, also of God, that, that contains the title of this same day, right? It's called the Pentecostal Movement. And it was early, it was um, kind of late 19th century, early 20th century. Uh, A lot of the holiness churches in particular, uh, if you're familiar with those, like the Church of Christ and the Nazarene and the, um, what else? Uh, The Church of God, the First Church of God, right up there. Um, That's uh, Chanel's Chanel's background. So it was mostly in those groups, and they were just, I don't know, fervently praying. They were seeking God. And this kind of revival broke out, lots of them. In particular, there was one in Los Angeles, and it was led by a man named William Seymour. He was a black man, and he only had one eye, interestingly enough. And um, it started, and people came, it became like a pilgrimage. Like the same way people would go to Jerusalem for Passover, people would start going to Los Angeles to kind of experience what God was doing. And and a lot of things were happening, but one of the things that were happening there was very similar to the things that happened in Jerusalem, and that is a new unity was being shaped and formed. You have to think, in 1906, uh, the racial divisions in the U.S. were even worse than what they are now, right? We were were only uh, a generation, really, away from slavery. And you had folks who were black and white and Asian and Latino, Latina. You had like, folks from all over kind of coming. And then, again, this is long before uh, women's suffrage. This is really long before kind of the womanist movement. 
but you had kind of women in leadership there in the community. So you had men and you had women and you had people from different cultures and people from different races. And it was, it was truly remarkable. Like it's one of the things that convinces me that it must have been the spirit of God that had moved on these people is that they were able to overcome those, again, those things that would drive them apart according to the culture, right? Because I do believe our culture back then, way back then, in the Bible times, in the 19th and 20th century, and in today, our culture has an impulse that wants to push us apart from one another, that wants us to identify the other, not our brother or sister, right? They, they, they want us to say, um, to kind of tag them or label them, and then you know, keep them at a distance. And the spirit seems to be moving in just the opposite direction. The spirit is the wind that's blowing us and inspiring us to be together. However, <clears throat> a sad thing happened in Los Angeles. All of that unity, all of that amazing togetherness that they experienced didn't last very long. So the, the revival, like the pilgrimage, lasted for about three years, and then um, it didn't take long until there were divisions in the group. And there were divisions along racial lines, and there were divisions along um, national lines, and there were divisions along gender lines, and I don't know, they, just, they became divided. It, wasn't, it didn't seem to be very sustainable. Well, if we look at the uh, book of Acts, Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, the day that the church now celebrates this day every year, that unity also didn't last that long. If we keep reading from Acts 2, it didn't take them very long until they, they're starting to split up over money. Money is a powerful force. We all like it. We realize we need it. Sometimes we want it. Sometimes we want what other people have, you know, and it, it shapes us in ways. And so there was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they're starting to handle their money in ways that were inappropriate, uh, in, a, in a kind of a selfish, self-serving kind of way. And you see the division start to take place. And then there, culturally, there started to be fissures in the group. So there are some of the widows, and all of these people this time are, are Jewish. Like there's not, there's not other ethnicities even involved yet. But even amongst the Jewish community, there were some widows who were very Hebraic. Kind of, they, they, they kept the, the, the local Jewish kind of culture. But there were other widows who were more Hellenistic. They kind of kept a more kind of Greek culture. And as it turns out, the ones that were Hebraic were being provided for, and the ones that were Hellenistic were not being provided for. So somebody had to speak up and say to the apostles, the leaders, they're like, hey, this is a foul. <laughs> you know, you, we can't do this. And so they appointed some, some deacons and, who would try to sort that out. But it didn't take long before, once new, uh, as the gospel would grow and the spirit would move, that um, new groups started to come in, folks who weren't Jewish, folks who weren't Asian, folks from other parts of the world, either from Northern Africa or from Southern Europe. 
And then another fissure took place. So there was a fissure over money, and there's this fissure over just the internal cultural differences. And now there's a fissure over, well, what are we going to do? This is the Jewish question. What are we going to do with these non-Jews who are now part of this group, right? Do they have to be circumcised? Because circumcision, that's an old covenant, right? Do they have to eat kosher? Do they have to keep the the Jewish law? Do they have to to, um, keep the Jewish calendar? And that was a big debate, and they, they couldn't quite figure out what, what was supposed to happen. And so I don't say that, I don't tell you those two stories to discourage you, that, you know, the Spirit moved in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and the Spirit moved in Los Angeles 100 years ago, but it didn't take long for the world to snuff out the Spirit. <laughs> um, but I, I do kind of tell you, in a way, as a caveat, as a warning, that what, what God does in us and through us does need to be cared for, right? It, it requires a daily kind of uh, commitment, like following. Like we have to, to be led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit requires an ongoing commitment to following the impulses of the Spirit. And listen, it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, when you're walking, sometimes you can walk with a certain rhythm. And if, there's, if you're listening to music, you'll sometimes walk to the rhythm of the music a little bit. Right? So that's one of the reasons you probably shouldn't play like really relaxed jazz if you're trying to exercise. Because <laughs> it's hard to walk fast when you're listening to the slow music. Right? But here's, here's what I think is happening. I think the, the music of the Spirit is a certain pace that would lead us to be together. But there's another music in the world that we're constantly hearing. It's in our culture. It's in our politics. It's in our media. It's in the news. It's everywhere. And it's like we're trying to walk to the pace of the spirit when there's this loudspeaker kind of blasting this other music. And so one of the things that coming to church on a regular basis will do, it's not enough. But it is a start. One of the things that coming to church on a regular basis will do is you get to once again get back into this rhythm. The rhythm of, of these songs, of these prayers, of these scriptures, of, of these, this type of fellowship, right? This kind of coming to the table together, despite our differences. Maybe even more than despite our differences, maybe because of our differences. It's something that we actually celebrate, not something that we try to diminish in some way. And, and there's, there's several places in the scripture that kind of talks to this particular thing. So let's, I want to repeat uh, a couple of the verses that were read uh, by Caleb for us. So listen to this one. This is Acts 2, um, <clears throat> 8 through 11. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. That's a real fancy word. Proselytes means someone who's not a Jew but is practiced Judaism. Right? So the idea of the inclusion of the Gentiles, the inclusion of others, didn't start with Jesus or later Paul. It was already a practice. 
There's, there's always been this sense of wherever God is, wherever God's Spirit is, and of course, in ancient, ancient days, it was there in Israel, even there, they had a sense of openness to the other, which is, which is why they're here, right? Uh, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about the deeds of power. And then this, too. This is just a little later, verses 17 and 18. This is Peter talking. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Do you get that? Like all flesh. That means like all human beings. So... Every human being who has, has ever existed, certainly every human being you've ever met, was created in the image of God, and so therefore is a bearer of the image of God. We bear God's image. That's what we were made for. We were actually made to bear God's image. Like, this is, this is what this is made for. So everyone, and every person who bears the image of God, Jesus died for and every person who bears the image of God and Jesus died for, the Spirit does move within. Like there is no such thing as kind of life apart from God. Now what that means is there's all sorts of responsibilities that we now have as it relates to others because they are bearers of the image of God, because Christ died for them, because the Spirit is the one who animates them. There's, there's a greeting in another country, and it often gets used just to mean hello, but the actual root, the stem, is I greet the spark of the divine in you. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Now listen, <clears throat> again, in Acts, and then later in the early church, not unlike the modern Pentecostal movement, um, which, which has done a lot of great things, like you know, the Assemblies of God and the Church of God and the Church of God in Christ and the Four Square and the Pentecostal Holiness, and, and then an, another kind of move of the Spirit kind of through the Catholic Church and the Episcopal Church and all sorts of things. Like The movement of the Spirit doesn't push us apart again. It kind of brings us together. But the, the early church continued to struggle with this. And we see the Apostle Paul addressing these issues early in his career. We see them readdressing it kind of mid-career. And then we see him addressing it late in his career. Which again, I don't, I, don't tell us, I don't tell you that to discourage you, that man, Paul never actually fixed this problem, but he was always addressing it. But I, I raise Paul as an example for us of consistency. That this is something we too need to keep to the forefront of our minds. So listen, this is the Apostle Paul early in his career. He's writing to the church in Galatia. This is Galatians 3.28. He says, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a relatively young Paul writing one of his first letters. One of the first time Paul ever wrote a letter. I want to fast forward about a decade, and now this is a bit more experienced Paul, kind of mid-career. He's now writing to the church in Rome, and he says this, 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, this is a visual, so everybody look up here. This does not mean first to the Jew and then to the Greek, as though there's some kind of tiered system. Like if you're Jewish, you're God's people and he really loves you. But if you're not Jewish, mm, you kind of like, you know, a foster kid that we're going to take in a little bit, but we're not going to treat you like this other one. That is not what this is. This is not to this kind of marginalization of someone. This is, this is uh, chronological. First and then second is because it starts with Abraham and then through Christ reaches the world. So first to the Jew and then to the Greek, now we can add them together. That Jew plus Greek now, now equals the whole family. The whole family. The family that's forever together. So much so, I'm going to get to that, the, the late Paul in a second. But so much so that Paul will use the imagery of adoption actually for everyone. So the Hebrew prophets had already used the imagery of adoption for Israel. Like Ezekiel, for example. Ezekiel describes Israel like this. He goes, listen, I don't know why you are all so high and haughty thinking you, you God's chosen people. You were like a baby who had just been born with its umbilical cord still yet to be cut. And God heard you cry and said, you'll be my people. You'll be mine. So, so even Ezekiel is talking about how God has adopted Israel. But then Paul will come along and he'll say, this adoption is something that God is active in, but he's not only adopting Israel, he's going to end up adopting everybody, right? His goal is to kind of expand the family, right? And so Paul will say, we have received a spirit of adoption, those of us who are in Christ. So now, now, so that's early Paul. He's trying to say, hey, we got we to gotta get over our differences and we got to work together. Mid-career, he's writing to the Romans. Now, late career, this is an old Paul. And now he's actually in prison when he writes this. He's writing to the church in Colossia. And he says this. This is going to sound familiar. There is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. This is why when we, when we come to the table, we're very serious that the table is an invitation to everyone. Everyone. Because Christ is in all and Christ is all. That's all we got. And so Paul hit this drum and he hit it again and he hit it again. And I think he had to because... In his culture, again, not unlike in our culture, um, he was moving in a direction that was cutting across the direction they were going. And he was calling the early church, right, to be a new kind of people. And that's exactly the kind of people we want to be here. He says this, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up this, this section of the service here. 
Here's, this is a, a, the, ne- the next couple of verses after Paul had said all that as an old man. He says this, and I would, I would, I would say this, brothers and sisters, um, I would like for us to hear Paul's words to the Colossians as God's words to us today on this day of Pentecost. As God's chosen ones, my fellow Oasians, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now that is some good advice. And that is just life 101. Like, how, how are you going to be a good human being? <laughs> which is really what I think this is all about. Again, God has made us, and through the outpouring of the Spirit, which we celebrate on Pentecost Sunday, we can celebrate God's renewing of us. The psalm that we opened up with, that Chanel read for us, there's this one line that I love in it, in that psalm. It says, The Lord pours forth His Spirit and renews the face of the ground. The Lord pours forth His Spirit and renews the face of the ground. Even the earth itself can benefit from the coming of the Spirit. Which, of course, we're here today to celebrate. So we are grateful. So let's come. Let's pray. Let's fellowship. Let's receive the gifts of communion And let's commit ourselves anew to live according to this instruction by Paul. To be at peace, to have humility, to seek kindness and gentleness. Amen? Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.